Welcome to Desk Doodles episode 14. I'm your host, Sapna Malhotra. As a little girl, I remember one of my favorite games to play with my friends or with my brother and sister used to be to play doctor. I had this cute little doctor set. I had a plastic stethoscope. I had a small thermometer. And I was super excited when I got to be the doctor. As I grew up, I wanted to be a real doctor. I studied really hard, gave my medical entrance exam, but sadly, I did not qualify. Well, I found my other calling. I did my undergrad, I did my postgrad with uh, biosciences and biotechnology. I was very happy. But somewhere, I felt that I wanted to know answers to why children uh, opt for a path which is so full of challenges, which is full of uh, uh, sacrifices. It requires so much of dedication and commitment. And yet children take years, uh, drops, they stay back, they apply again, qualify and walk that path. So today on Desk Doodles, we have four superheroes. They're going to share with us all their experiences, their knowledge and their story, their journeys how they have reached where they are. So without further delay, let's welcome our fantastic four. Welcome to Desk Doodles, everyone. Hey, hey, hi. Hello. <laughs> really happy. Hi. Happy. I think everyone's pretty happy. Yeah. So happy, delighted, nice yes. And so looking forward to this conversation with all four of you. You're really superheroes for me because of all that you're doing and what you're going to do in the future. So I'm really looking forward to hearing that from you. And uh, let's get started. I'm going to come to you one by one. I'll introduce you and but I'll, I'll just give your names. The rest is for you to tell yourself. Okay. Cool. okay. So let me come to my first guest. Uh, let's get to Dr. Sai Pritham. Hello, Pritham. Uh, hi, 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 guys. Um, I'm Sai Pritham, a house surgeon at uh, Jawaharlal Nehru Medical College, Belgavi. I'm 23 years young, and uh, yeah, that's my introduction. Keep it short. <laughs> but tell me, Pritham, uh, how did you yes. how did you reach where you are? <laughs> what was what was the inspiration behind you uh, opting for this path? Because we all know it is it is a path which is really tough to walk. There is uh, so much uh, that you have to give in. And uh, was it, I know that you, you come from a background where your house is full of doctors. So was it the reason for yeah. you to walk this path? Actually, that wasn't the reason. So my dream was to be a Formula One uh, racer. Ah. And one of the prominent racers then was Ayrton Senna. And so all, most of what he earned, like 90% of what he made through prizes and his salary, he donated to uh, kids in Brazil. So he's a Brazilian racer. I felt, uh, even I want to do the same for my country. I wanted to, you know, be a Formula 1 driver and then change many lives in India. Unfortunately, uh, for India, like many things are not possible. Formula 1 is one of the things that's not possible for us to pursue. So I thought maybe what else I could think of to help people uh, without, you know, a lot of resources. So, uh, and obviously my mom's a doctor, my brother's a doctor as well. And um, I feel like if I became a doctor, maybe I could uh, help people. Like with just the skills that I had, and I didn't need too many. Uh, I didn't need many resources. I didn't need, uh, yeah. So I think that's one of the reasons why I chose to be a doctor. But about inspiration as a doctor, I don't see any figure. I generally like to pick qualities 
from all the people that I look up to. Like suppose it's like Ellen, like she always says, you know, spread love and like love one another. So I like to pick love, like, you know, be able to love everyone. And like Lewis Hamilton, never give up. And hard working for my mother, smart working for my father. So I just like to pick qualities from everyone and just, you know, try to be a better person every day. That's it. Absolutely. And I think you're an embodiment of all of that. And we will know all Thank about you. it as we continue our talk later. So coming to my next <coughs> guest, uh, Dr. Ria Bhattacharya. Ria, tell us your story. Hi, Hi, so I'm currently interning at Kasturba Medical College, Mangalore. I've been passionate about medicine for as long as I can honestly remember. And honestly, it did start off with a doctor set, as you said. <laughs> so <laughs> I think everyone at some point would relate to that. Like I was really young and I've always loved the feeling of how a stethoscope used to feel around my neck or, you know, just like playing with those syringes even. But yeah, so I, it made, you know, a lot of sense to me even as a kid to become a doctor later on and uh, yeah so then my family also they're not uh, like none of them are doctors actually which in fact pushed me more to be a doctor because I realized that I could contribute not just uh, to health outside but even at home but helping you know my own family as well so yeah that's it like just I'm passionate about what I'm doing so yeah Wonderful, wonderful. That's that's uh, so different from Preetam's because Preetam was kind of surrounded by doctors and he grew up yeah. with, uh, you know, to be a doctor now. And you were surrounded by none of the doctors and yet you found your passion <laughs> in that. So wonderful. I think it's so beautiful to hear each one's uh, story and journey. How about you? My next guest, Dr. Sharbani Sharma. Hi guys, I'm Sharbani. I did my MBBS in Ramaya Medical College and I am currently interning there. And uh, unfortunately, my story is not very different from Ria's. Uh, I have also wanted to be, become a doctor ever since uh, I was a kid. And I think um, it came uh, from uh, my grandfather. He's the only doctor in my family and I've grown up idolizing him. And I've come across many doctors in my life who have really inspired me, not just as doctors, but as people. And um, it's, it's nice to look at them for more than... Um, you know, just as doctors, because you realize there's more to them and you really start, want to pick up those traits and kind of incorporate them in your life as well. And um, yeah, I think a bunch of them, one of uh, my doctor's oncologists is my role model, Dr. Poonam Patil. I just want to bring it out there because I, she constantly continues to inspire me till today. And um, yeah, so I already always had an inclination towards human physiology since school. And I'm glad I followed up on that and I'm here. Wonderful. That's so beautiful. And I think each one's story is unique in itself, Sharbani. Even mm -hmm. if it is similar on some lines with somebody else, but somewhere mm -hmm. it is just your story and it is so unique to you, right? So coming mm -hmm. to my next guest, yes, Alora. My next guest, Alora Pandita. Hi guys, my name is Alora and I'm a fourth year medical student in a government medical college. Um, so I think the first time I ever told my mom I wanted to be a doctor was when I went to the doctor's office and uh, he wrote the prescription as a check and I was so like enchanted by that like wow so I went home and I was like I want to do the same thing <laughs> and um, after that I continued to see doctors who inspire so much confidence in their patients and I wanted to be able to do that like they are the ray of hope in a lot of people's lives and they mean something so I hope one day I can reach the same place. Yeah, absolutely. You're so right, Elora. And in fact, it goes back to when I was little. 
the earliest memories that i have of uh, you know uh, visiting a doctor i i used to be out in and out of dental clinics a lot and uh, like even for a wobbly tooth i had to go get it uh, you know pulled out so i remember that doctor was so amazing and he would weave these stories and i'll be just mesmerized looking at him and the tooth would be out i wouldn't even know and i was never scared to go to a doctor because the experience was always so nice so i think what you said is so correct that the kind of uh, you know the uh, relationship that doctor has with your patient is so important absolutely so like is the tradition i was so happy with the all your stories but let's let's jump into the big loaded question we always have on desk doodles and today's big question is what is it like to be a medical student in this time of global pandemic so let me put this question to uh, ria first ria let's go with that uh, let's have i i would like each one of you to uh, share your views your experiences so but let's begin with ria first okay so when we entered our internship we actually had no idea that we'd be facing this and honestly i find it exciting there are pros and cons to this definitely but i feel like you can look at it in a positive way and you can tell the world that you interned at an global pandemic like you can learn an entire pandemic protocol just by being an intern currently so which is what i think all of us are doing which is quite nice actually it is setback in some ways because we don't get to see as many patients then long as wearing ppe for some of us and even a, a small amount of risk to us to our lives you know which like exposing ourselves every day but i feel at the end of the day when you've done your best and you're so happy cuz you've given it your heart and soul i think that's what makes us you know happy at the end of the day so definitely like that's what i feel about it right right that, that's so true that you know that uh, i just thought that as mere mortals i would call myself that i'm really scared of corona but uh, i mean I, you people have been in the hospitals and uh, you even if you've not done the covid duties it is a kind of you know that slight fear of uh, contracting it ha- must have been there in your mind that yeah i mean a lot of my friends here my co-interns have uh, you know they've got covid so it's just like as of now it's like a part of our life like we just deal with it as and when it comes and more than that i feel like none of us are really focused on you know just the covid part of it like there are so many other diseases which people come in with and which are way more serious and i feel like that needs to be given more attention or the equal amount of attention because uh, pre covid era like that's what the, you know the patients came with many other problems right so i hate to see that those problems are being neglected a little bit now because covid is in the picture but uh, yeah like honestly i feel like if you love what you do like and you see patients in and out day in day out the fun just never leaves like you're just happy doing what you're doing and it just makes all the difference at the end of the day right right how about you sharbani how has it been for you to be a medical student in this pandemic time i think uh, it's been a bitter sweet experience like we have said uh, of course you can look at the cons and just focus on that but then there's of course a silver lining to everything um uh, there's uh, like she said there's a like a risk of exposure at all times and especially for those of us who are day scholars there's a risk of exposing your families and your friends which you really don't want to do you don't want to uh, put them in danger but i think nevertheless they are more than pr- like 
extremely proud of us for putting ourselves out there and uh, i think uh, not just them i think i also get a lot more credit than i deserve from my society and family and friends and that really keeps you going that is a constant motivation and uh, of course i really enjoy what i do even though i would have really liked to um, have the pre covid experience of having more hands on experience getting to see more patients of like a wider variety um and get learning about more things but um i'm glad that i'm able to uh, like i'm at a position to help out and we are of course more updated with the latest protocols and statistics and we can guide our uh, family members and friends accordingly and uh, i think that's really important so um yeah i'm glad that i am at a position to help them out right and did did you uh, uh, contract covid during this time yeah in fact i did uh, i got exposed i wasn't doing covid duty i just got exposed while i was uh, working in the icu and uh, i didn't know at that time and i was actually the first intern from my batch to contract uh, the infection so it was quite scary when i did contract it um but i had a lot of support throughout and i'm glad to say i made it and there's a silver lining to this as well because i'm supposedly resistant for a while and i even donated plasma for two patients so um hopefully that helped save them and in um, a little yeah. way yes i think and yeah. uh, don't say that you're given credit more than what you do i'm sure the credit is due where it is rightfully due for you so Thank coming you. to my next uh, guest elora tell me how has this uh, time been for you the past 8 months Uh, so for the past eight months, I've actually been at home because I'm still a medical student, and we have had online classes for the past eight months, uh, which have been difficult because I think teachers are trying their best to give us what they can, but a lot of medicine is based in practical experience, like you do when you learn. So uh, I think I'm really missing out on that, and um, I hope that through future classes we will be able to catch up. because um i don't think skills are something you can compromise in mbbs maybe practical skills are not as important in many other degrees but uh, especially in medicine i think they matter the most so i'm hoping we do get that practice sometime soon correct yeah you guys i think as uh, uh, the the your generation you are your digital natives right we we always refer to you as digital natives you are just so comfortable with all the tech that is around you and the professors that you have are what i would call digital immigrants so they're still getting used yeah. to things and they it's tougher for them to adopt and start practicing it whereas for you you just have to just get it right so i think right. that's where the there, there is a lag between the two uh, mediums right the professors and the students so i think that is what but uh, uh, do you think that has kind of in in some ways set you back somewhere or you're coping up on your own i it is very different from the actual final year experience because usually it's really hectic and there's a lot of studying and it's kind of about studying and integrating the practice along with it which is what is missing and i think that's really important it's a key to understanding what's happening so yeah i think the pandemic has definitely set us back a bit and also because uh, we are of no help currently just as students we haven't been able to contribute uh, to the workforce so that is disappointing as well but yeah i know because i think as medical students all of you would be feeling that this time of covid is a big huge time of learning as well right so like if i look at you i just see you like you know just 
kids, kind of young kids, and uh, you're you're just the same age as my son. And uh, I would, you know, feel oh, it's safer, you know, for you to not be exposed and all that. But for a doctor who's, you know, you, it's a big learning time for you to, uh, you know, be there and uh, experience it for yourself. Is it like that? Uh, how about you, Pritam? Tell us a little bit about your time past eight yeah, months. So first i like to uh, get off from where uh, Ria started. So Ria said that, you know, we uh, we know the protocol now. So basically, China was able to fight the pandemic better than the other countries because they had this protocol ready for themselves. And um, so they had a hospital, a thousand bed hospital ready to fight like any virus or any influenza type, um, you know, infection. So, you know, now we, we might have, you know, taken a step back because of the pandemic, but for sure, like every year uh, the influenza virus, there's a genetic drift and the shift and every year they have to find a new, you know, vaccine for it. That happens every year. So this time we have a protocol in place. So we literally have like, like you say, um, we have like a key to, you know, fighting anything that will come in the future. So next time we have something like this, we'll be doing way better. So I, so, you know, like, you know, keeping doctors at the, top of the pandemic and not like anybody else or anytime there's someone else coming some other pandemic coming in the future you know the doctor should be the first people to you know uh, you know write the guidelines keep everything ready so we have that we're prepared for the future now and uh, i'll also like to say sharbani like it's great to hear that you know you donated to you know two patients you donate plasma for them that's crazy because it actually takes a toll on your body i donated pl uh, platelets to someone already and then i was not able to you know flex my arm for like five days so, you know, Shabir did a great job. And talking about, you know, being in the front line, for the, usually interns, we are shadowing or we like going on rounds with the professors. We're all, we're always behind all of them. We're not doing anything from the front. But here, for the first time, I felt the PGs and the interns were at the front line. Like we would be exposed to patients. We would wear the PPs for six hours. And like, you know, I had to, so every day my morning routine would be drink like a bottle of water and then go to work. But if I drank water, I wouldn't be able to take off the PP. So once you get into the wards, you can never take off your PP for the six stars. And the PG would stay for 12 hours. So they would not drink water. They would not do anything for 12 hours. And before the 12 hours shift, they would not drink water as well. So they have to drink two hours before. They have to, you have to unlearn all your basic, uh, you know, whatever routine you had before. I'd make, my duty was from eight to three. So I'd drink a bottle of water. And then that was not possible because... I have to use the washroom if I had water. So I, would, I wouldn't have water. My last water would be the night before. So that was uh, really like uh, a great task for me. But when I was inside the ward, it would be uh, better. Like I, I would be more constant on the patient, like you know, getting the work done, you know, get, um, getting the rounds. And uh, no, definitely not, uh, not the least, but most respected in this time, I feel are the nursing staff. Are. So the nursing staff are always there. They always are there. For they in fact ask you to rest. They think that we you know worked a lot. They'll be like, you rest, we'll take it, we'll take it. So I will keep them at the top of everything, first nursing staff, and then anybody else. So yeah. This Definitely. I second that. I second yeah. that. Even so, the housekeeping so well staff. said, so beautifully said. Yeah, yeah. That is so true. Because I think yeah. uh, they they just give it uh, you know, without thinking selflessly and they're they're doing it. Yes. Yes, yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. And so you you were exposed for so you had COVID duty like for uh, yeah. past 
how many months have you been doing it now? So basically, we're on rotation. So I had my first duty a few months ago. So it's it's divided around. Initially, so we didn't know the protocol as well. We were still using trial and error, keep trying, you know, reduce the infection rate, reduce the contamination. So first we had flu clinic, and then they divided a whole floor. Like so, they um, divided a whole floor into three segments, and they would it'd be like a holding area, ICU, and a, a COVID ward. So I worked in the holding area where. Um, People are waiting for their reports to come. They were given a swab test, waiting for reports. And then I also worked with flu clinic. So at flu clinic, we would have to like all the so like Ria was saying this. We, a lot of it was neglected initially. A lot of other like pneumonia and like MIs were missed because we were all concentrating on you know COVID. So we'd have to screen them, you know, like be alert and then tell them to go to the emergency department, go there, show yourself quickly. So yeah, I've been doing that for a few months now. Yes, yeah, Auntie. But I think somewhere uh, for you, uh, uh, Sharbani and Ria, and even for Elora, I think like the at this time you would have gotten so much more experience in the clinics and in the hospital with all the kind of different kind of skills that you would have been exposed to. But because of COVID, that it's a kind of setback for you, right? Like uh, like you said, there were so few ex uh, patients coming in. Yeah. Yes, that's true. So how, how do you think now that you're going to uh, manage getting that kind of experience? Are there any, uh, you know, kind of simula simulation labs or how does, can technology help you in some way or is it helping you in any way? Do you have any systems in place uh, that can teach you those skills in, uh, you know, even if you don't get the patient uh, and uh, doctor experience together? So, Auntie, in Ramaya, we have this setup, uh, which is, uh, I think it's pretty um, uh, interesting. It's called uh, Advanced Learning Center. And it's a center where there, they have, we have uh, programmed mannequins uh, on which we can uh, practice di different procedures. So, they're programmed to help us learn various uh, topics. For example, uh, we have uh, certain mannequins that, ha that simulate the respiratory sounds and heart sounds. So we can put the stethoscope on their chest and actually listen to uh, all the different types of respiratory sounds. Then there are mannequins which have blood vessels, uh, which actually actual fluid in them. So we can practice procedures like um, giving injections, applying IV cannulas and different other things like the simulation for uh, deliveries uh, and uh, I think lumbar puncture. So I think this is a great alternative, especially in this year when we want to keep the patient interaction to like the minimum. Uh, so uh, this is a great alternative, but of course it's not financially feasible everywhere because it's very demanding. And, um, but I think if, uh, if it is affordable in certain colleges, it's a great, it's very effective and it's also a fun way to learn because uh, you're also a lot uh, less apprehensive about injuring the patient and, um, you know, they, they won't really react and you can try multiple times yeah. and not be scared of being abused or something. Correct. Yeah, it's, it's yeah in fact, I was also hearing a lot of talk and, uh, you know, I was reading up and they, they were saying that some of really good uh, uh, world-class facilities are there in India in some of the colleges and some of the hospitals where they have these simulation labs and, uh, you know, mm -hmm. young interns and students can practice like childbirth and other complications yeah. with the uh, heart and things like that. How about you, Ria? Did, did you, do you also have something like that in your uh, hospital? So we don't have simulations like the way, you know, Sharbani explained. That's quite beautiful, actually. It sounds quite exciting. You know, I wish we had it, yeah, but we don't. And, and it was so impressive. I was like, you know, that that's kind of the closest that you can come to, you know, learning yeah. firsthand. 
right yeah, exactly definitely. yeah a really good job yeah i think uh, yeah so we don't have that but uh, the way we have been learning is uh, mostly looking at videos trying out apps and apps are mostly not very clinically oriented it's more like you know what drugs can we give on a daily basis uh, in practice when someone comes to you with a problem how do you treat that so it's not just the clinical hands on it's also the uh, how do you treat how do you approach a patient so people will come with a even i think that we face more in our daily lives because most of our family members they'll just call you and ask you like okay so i have this problem like how do you what do i do and they think that because we've passed mbbs where you know like you know everything but that's actually not true so yeah we're still learning and we're trying to kind of put into practice what we have learned for the last 4 years which is also a challenge uh, along with our clinical skill development at this point so i mean for me the my clinical skills i've been honestly just trying it out on patients right now because we we have postings like we do go to work and we do take samples we do do things in the wards so as of now it's been just that for me but yeah i think that that's fine as long as you're just still getting some uh, you know first hand experience with patients even if it is less but you're still out there on ground right um but i think coming to you elora for you if if this time would have been like in the hospital you would have so much of exposure to uh trying out new skills learning new skills so how are you going to cope up with this now uh so we are actually hoping that we make it up with uh, future sessions and uh, considering our college does not have the resources to buy a model like that we do have um non animated models usually just to explain concepts um but other than that yeah we also rely on apps which can tell us what to do but other than that i really think that it is important to be on ground and learn because there's nothing better than that and um at the end of the day it should not affect the quality of care that we at the end of the day should provide a patient right so there's nothing more important than that right so, so i, I yeah. think as students there will be so many doubts and fears in all i mean uh, your friends as well the same batch that you're studying with because there is still so much uncertainty out there when you're going to get back into college and when you're going to get that first hand experience that you're talking about so uh, i think uh, um, technology if it is shared amongst colleges that could bring out so much uh, more to you students right if one college has it and if uh, the college is okay to share with other colleges i think somewhere if it be develop a universal system where colleges could start helping each other just for the benefit of all medical students that would be so amazing to see yeah definitely of course yeah because like you said you're you're studying at a government college right and sharbani you're in a private college so yeah. i'm sure the resources are different because of the structure yeah. infrastructure that is there in place we both have our pros and cons of course yeah definitely of course of course yeah. and not negating the fact that both the colleges are doing their best to give the uh, you know excellent education that is needed for their students but of course because the resources are less so of course they cannot provide you with everything that is out there in the world because the world has so much to offer how about you pritam what do you see how has technology helped in this time over there at your yeah. college so technology has definitely helped uh, you know keep us informed about uh, you know the corona whole the whole pandemic you know get information keep us updated 
and then um, so basically like what Sharbani was saying we also have this thing called clinical skills lab so where PGs uh, they can go there just before heading to a surgery they can you know it's it's like a real but it's like augmented reality. so augmented reality is something that we all want uh, like maybe we can see a surgery happening or how we want to go you know the approach for the incision etc but we haven't reached that level yet so what we use here is like a mannequin sometimes when you know like really generous family donate uh, their uh, you know people who've passed away tonight uh, their cadavers we also practice or you know we try to with all due respect to you know understand how to approach a surgery and things like that. so that way we learn a lot. we can uh, as interns we also need to take a couple of permissions go there and then see what's happening like what like i want to attend like a surgery tomorrow i could find out how to how the surgery is done like take a pg along with it tag along with the postgraduates and then find out uh, what's happening so what we do is and then read up the next day so you can try assisting the surgery actually so that way our uh, our college is helping us and uh, like you said uh, if the colleges could share like let's say a government college has more exposure and a private college may have less less exposure, but the teaching is like um, really good compared to a government college so maybe the government college students can also access like online classes with the private students and then maybe when the pandemic is done these guys can come teach them how they you know um, you know help see the patients and then the practical part of it so that's a great idea and uh, i uh, actually for a person like me i'm kind of confused about the subject i want to pursue as a in in post graduation but if you were like pretty sure of what you want to take maybe i was thinking that we actually didn't lose out much during this pandemic because the reading time to practical time was like balanced out. Like I would read more than if I had duty, I would probably read lesser. But uh, because there was no, we didn't have. Uh, I would be quarantined for one week after my COVID duty. I wouldn't know what to do. So I'd like to, I'd like to catch up on the reading, right? So that way I benefited. So just try to make like damage limitation was the only way I was thinking during this whole uh, pandemic. I think yes. more than anything, I feel that all of you have stayed positive, which is very good. You've taken it as a positive. You're finding what, uh, you know, you can apply, you can absorb. Like you said, because I think any which ways, I've heard so many talks by medical students and each one had uh, one thing to say was that you have to do it on your own a lot. You have to read yes. up on your own. You have to be responsible for all that you can grasp yourself. The professors are there for uh, teaching you, but what I mean, majority of the knowledge that you have to gain is by yourself uh, learning and reading also. So um, coming from there, let me take you back a little to when you were in school. Okay, let just have a throwback into that. And when you were in school, uh, I want to ask you, is there something that could have happened in that time? Could we change something there in schools? that can help you transition better into medical uh, education or uh, some maybe uh, the way we teach or uh, maybe have different strategies or have some other modules that can help you uh, transition better into uh, such a you know hardship life that you have in front of you so okay yeah. let me let me pose it to uh, uh, ria let me come to ria okay so I felt uh, the one problem that I felt, you know, stuck with me throughout was approach. Like approach in the sense that in school we're unconsciously, like so not subconsciously taught to, you know, approach things in a very narrow way. And we don't look beyond that. So when you come to college, there are a hundred other different problems along with 
maybe just studies that you have to face and nobody teaches you these things in school like you're just supposed to magically learn them when you come to college like dealing with life nobody taught us that and i feel like school should make you strong as an individual enough so that when you go anywhere in the world you should be able to sustain yourself and not just in the academic way because everyone turns out fine like i'm sure about that like everybody turns out okay and the i think the objective in school should not be to make people smarter or like you know to get their grades up because that it'll happen inherently also if they just try and you know do it they should be uh, maybe encouraged to do better but also to focus on the other parts of life which maybe the skills maybe their the way they talk i feel communication should be taught in schools like definitely because a lot of us don't like a lot of us learned communication once we came into college when you're forced to communicate with others in our case maybe patients so i feel like definitely like that should be taught in schools and uh, also i feel like in schools a lot of people uh, if they weren't doing well academically they used to be put down a little which i feel shouldn't be done because that kind of it makes an impact in a long term way because the uh, people always think that okay you know they become insecure about what they could have done or what they should be doing and they think a hundred times like a small comment in school can actually be etched into someone's brain for a very long time i feel so i feel yeah like sure. school can give you all the confidence you need if just you know uh, like uh, in the right direction if it's you know told to you so i feel that's important very true how about you alora i i could see that you also wanted to say something uh, right so i felt in school everything was very stream centric like it felt like i was not choosing my career but a path that the end wasn't very clear so like we used to have career counseling but in that i wish it was more like okay this is the day in the life of a let's say a photographer or a doctor or like engineer is a very broad term so maybe like okay this is a graphic designer this person works in technology there's so many different ways to find out what you want to do and i don't think that was explored enough in school so i felt that way uh, maybe a lot of children would have a clearer idea because i feel like people are put off by medicine just because okay it's a lot of studying but it's so much more like beyond that like a doctor needs so many patients there's new innovation like there are so many things to stay on top of and i feel like a lot more students would have shown interest if it was shown in a broader and a much better light true true very true how about you sharbani you wanted to say something i think uh, like riya and uh, alora said i think they sh- uh, we could have put uh, my my school could have put more emphasis on career counseling and uh, you know focus they could have tried to focus on every each student strength separately because not necessarily everyone wants to uh, pick a field pick a career in medicine or engineering and there's a huge variety of even though my school was uh, mainly science oriented but i think up till then there were a lot of students that were pretty good and they had their strengths in other fields and i think they were quite neglected quite a bit just because their interests didn't match with the rest of us so um i think if they nurtured their strengths and guided them accordingly they would have done better um in their respective fields uh even though uh, like of course uh, the the fact that our school was really academically oriented that did help us a lot in this particular field because that is 80% of what our college <laughs> life is <laughs> but um yeah of course i i uh, i wish 
they focused more on communication and all the extracurricular skills that are required to be a doctor other than the study part um so yeah, the personality right. of a person rather exactly, than just one exactly. uh, skill what about you uh, pritam what are your thoughts on that yeah so uh, the school that i went to so after 10th grade like it would require you to have like a, a certain gpa like only students on above 9.3 or I'm sorry 9.2 or 9.4 would you know be retained the rest would like have to leave and they get other smarter kids so i i think that's a totally wrong concept all of them do want to read not like they don't want to maybe they just didn't find the interest or maybe it wasn't thought well so you know um and most of the people who left uh, were pretty close to me they were my good friends and all of them who left are doing really well in life now so i felt the school just gave up on them and then they just banked on the rest of the people to you know their names to come in the newspaper or they should be the first in this so i didn't like that no because everyone finds what they have to find uh, you can't make a fish climb a tree or anything like that right so everyone's different so i felt they should have you know trusted them to you know they should have at least the teachers should also i i really love my teachers i genuinely love all my teachers and um, i genuinely wish them good morning good afternoon whatever from the bottom <laughs> of my heart so <laughs> but i just felt i that they shouldn't have given up on the students um, that early and, and i think what yes. you're saying uh, it also uh, you know you could also uh, bring that out in ways like suppose when you're in 11 12 right and suppose yeah. there is a program where you could do some internship it was it was made mandatory for you to intern uh, maybe for a few weeks in 11th grade for a few weeks in 12th yeah. grade choose that yeah. calling and suppose you got to see what was happening in clinics you got to intern in hospitals and an engineer got to intern if he was a software engineer got to intern in an Absolutely. it firm i think that was that would kind of uh, help you uh, feel more stronger about what you are going to do and what you really want to do like if if yes. there was some kind of a program like that that would reinforce the fact that yeah oh really i really want to go into uh, medicine and there would like alora also said that it would give insight to other students also that oh wow there's more to it than just you know the hardships so it would give yeah. a little window into all the different streams that children could definitely uh, definitely and if they brought in professionals who are actually in that career and they've been practicing for a while maybe they could um you know instill a lot more interest in the people who are actually looking to pursue a career in that field right i think right. that would have also helped and hearing from experts in those fields would really uh, bring out it you know out in the open because somebody who's doing it telling you about it even if it's a fireman or if he's a doctor or a lawyer coming there talking to you makes a world of a difference to a student right so great now coming exactly. from from your school life coming to where you are in the present let me just ask you a fun thing what is it uh, what is a day like in the uh, uh, you know in your life as in terms how does your day start let me ask the first intern over here okay let me ask uh, sharbani what is your day like uh, i think it depends mostly on where you are posted some days are quite hectic and i and in general not a very punctual person so i am really struggling right now because i literally rushed to college and i'm uh, swallowing my breakfast on the way somehow making it in time before the consultants show up so on a busy day uh, you don't even realize when the time flies and you might skip a meal or two but if you're actually doing what you love and you're uh, genuinely interested in something then i think you don't really um really mind that all that much 
but there are also days when uh, i sometimes feel like my five year old cousin could do my job because those are the days when the patient load is, when the workload is not too bad and they just expect us to do uh, really ridiculous things maybe just some cleric desk job like uh, just typing discharge summaries or uh, maybe just sitting and just uh, you know waiting for just probably um, being the call being a call center operator and probably uh, just calling up your like seniors whenever required so um, yeah there's there's a huge like there's a huge spectrum of these and it all depends on where you are posted and it also your co-interns have a huge play a huge role in your day and i think i have been blessed with a wonderful set of co-interns so i'm really <laughs> glad <laughs> do they do they so, yeah. chip in for you at times when you want them to <laughs> of course that's what that's what i meant a lot <laughs> yeah, yeah this is going out to them directly now you can send it out loud <laughs> so they I hope one <laughs> yeah they they're the unsung heroes <laughs> <laughs> oh great how would you ria is it the same for you always rushing and uh, you know i relate to sharbani soul to soul on this entirely <laughs> no so yeah again as she said like it depends on uh, you know like uh, which posting we have so for me okay i'll talk about a day in my obg posting because that was the most hectic posting i've had till now and so yeah we, we used to have uh, 12 hour duties at that point of time so it used to be like if i have to talk about say labor theater postings so we used to go say at either 8 am to 8 pm or 8 pm to 8 am and there's no time for you to transition like you know you, how people have jet lag we don't have that concept so you have to sleep in time that's it there's no in between oh my god <laughs> no recovery time so it was really honestly it was really fun like i used to wake up uh, like i don't have this punctual problem because i have ocd about going early and uh, i wake oh. up like say one hour earlier and you know just set my mind state okay my is going to be like this and then go to work and then in labor theater it was like you will get deliveries every 5 minutes and you know you just have to wear your pp and just go for it and just oh you know deliver the baby and it is an adrenaline rush it is so much fun so i feel it was really nice a lot of things to learn there also and then coming to maybe say if we had pediatrics you deal with small babies you draw blood from them like sounds gruesome i know but it's quite it's fulfilling like when you're doing it for the purpose of you know treating them it's quite nice actually How and when you see someone you bring that kind of patience in you were you always a very patient person uh, ria not at all not at all i think everybody can vouch when i say this but <laughs> definitely not i think patience comes when you're waiting for the long term result and you know that you're going to achieve it if you just know you're doing it right like something as simple as maybe you know diagnosing someone correctly and then giving a treatment and just seeing if it's working and the day it works i'm like it's like you feel so nice that it's working and you're saving someone right that's great and since now we have uh, you know postings of say two months so we kind of have the time to follow up with like long term patients so we see how they're improving with time and that's what makes you realize that you're in the right place like when you see them improve with time you're like okay this is working out for them and we're getting to learn so definitely a fun experience i think when you said about your posting uh, in uh, obg so when the baby is born and i think that kind of just engulfs the whole uh, you know the community around that baby in that warmth right when the baby is born so it just uh, takes away all the stress and everything <laughs> 
yeah i think it's okay if i have to say it even mathematically it's like a curve like this where just before it's like if i may say absolute hell because everyone is you know the patient is screaming you are screaming it's just really really hard <laughs> but the time is out i think everything makes sense just at that one point when everything you work for has come to light at that one point and after that also you have to take care of the patient and the baby now so it's it's beautiful it's actually beautiful and not just obg i feel every field is really great like even say surgery like you know pa- like patients come and uh, our job as interns is to maybe open dressings clean wounds uh, do dressings again and patients are so thankful for that because they have a daily wound which needs treatment which needs caring and if you as an individual give them that one level of comfort 1% of that comfort that okay today you're going to feel better because i am going to make you you know i'm going to dress your entire wound i'm going to make it better clean healthier i think patients go back happy once we do things like that for them and that gives us a lot of satisfaction beautiful and i think that takes me to elora because she had brought up that point also the same thing so elora what do you want to do what do you want to do, specialize in what is your calling <laughs> i haven't really thought about it because i think finally over the time for me to decide because i'd really get into it uh but yeah all of them sound really interesting and amazing and i feel like sometimes people don't look at all of the streams equally because uh we don't just have the ones that are practice in the hospital there are also doctors in labs like the pathologists or the biochemists all of whom also put in a lot of work so yeah although definitely looking at something clinical uh yeah every time you step into like either an opd which is like the Uh, outpatient department where people come to show their ailments or even a theater it's it's always surreal it's always like okay this this is where i want to be and i think a lot of a medical student struggle is in just holding on for these four years so that you can cross to the other side because a lot of these four years is just filled with because you're always studying there's a lot of frustration so when you get to hear stories like this you always imagine i hope that's going to be me one day and that's a huge driving force for a lot of the students and it would have been these months only you would have been in yeah. the clinics and you would have experienced what ria and uh, all your friends here were experiencing right definitely feels like i'm missing out but hopefully we'll be there soon you will you will be there what about you sharbani what do you aspire to be what's your calling specialization um i've been i i think friendship uh, has kind of showed me um uh, the pros and cons of every single department and uh, it's confused me a little more than uh, and finally i was quite uh, clear about what i wanted to do i wanted to be a general surgeon um but right now i'm thinking about uh, so yeah definitely like uh, the watching the surgeons and just the confidence that they um you know uh, radiate is amazing and i feel like their interaction with parents i mean patients and uh, the satisfaction from watching a patient recover and you know telling yourself that yeah i am i made this happen i played a part that's a huge satisfaction so i think uh, i do want to pursue a career in surgery for that reason and i also find it extremely interesting um so yeah that's what i want to do how about you pritam what is your uh, field going to be so um and i like innovation so i was thinking maybe whichever branch i take i i like elora said i don't like to discriminate between the branches because everything is equally important and but i haven't decided which branch i want to go 
what I want to do finally, like my final goal, I just know where I, I know my destination, but the journey still isn't decided. So I know that I want to incorporate innovation, whichever branch I'm doing. And it could, and basically I want to be a preventive medical entrepreneur. I don't know, that sounds a little funny, but I don't know where I'm going, but I just know that I want to get there, yeah. In fact, you, you've taken me to the next question that I was going to put that what kind of, uh, uh, you know, uh, transformations or what kind of new things do you foresee in the future for your medical education? I mean, medicine, of course, there is a huge lot that is happening outside. Yeah. But in your yeah. uh, education system, do you foresee a drastic change in the future, maybe another five, ten years down the line? So um, about the change in the uh, the way MBBS is happening, it's already started. So now first year is one and a half year. And the second year is second, third, and fourth year all year each. So what they've decided is from the first year itself, they want to send the students or uh, the kids to, you know, the hospital. And then so they get an exposure. So what happened to us was only in like second year, uh, we went there. After one year of, you know, uh, the basic anatomy, biochemistry, and the other subject, we went to the hospital. In the whole of second year, we were lost. So second year, which was one and a half year, we had no idea. You know, we just knew how to take a case. So these guys get exposed one year early. So when they come to second year, they already have a good idea about how, you know, they should take case. And then so basically patient exposure at our level is trying to understand what the signs and symptoms are. The more you get exposed, the better you'll understand, uh, you know, what the person is suffering from. So what's happening now is the new system emphasizes on, you know, communication with the patient, which is definitely, they're headed towards the right path. And yeah, I guess they keep making these uh, changes and they'll get there. Good, good. That's that's yeah. great to hear. And suppose now if I, I'll go back to the question that I was going to ask all of you. Yes. That if you were put in a position of power, right? You grew up, you've done what you want to do and you're in a position of power where you could take some decision. What is that one decision you would want to take to help, uh, you know, with some of the problems or with whatever is happening in the medical education uh, at present? Is there something that you would take a stand to change if you were, you know, in a position of power? Let me put it to Sharbani. Sharbani, tell me. Uh, so I think, what, personally from my MBBS experience, I think maybe if they put more emphasis on student counseling, we do have a counselor, but I think it would really help for them to be more active and uh, more frequent in um, the, uh, basically collecting feedback from the patient, uh, from the students. Um, and I think if they increase the teacher to student ratio, that would really help because I think when one teacher is teaching 150 students, it's obviously difficult to engage all of them at the same time. And um, I think a lot of students are also a little apprehensive of bringing up their doubts in front of that many um, students. So uh, I think, yeah, so, and also, um, I think even uh, increasing the practical exposure, like the Pritam said is already being uh, done a little, little earlier in uh, college. And uh, I think even then, uh, if, uh, even in the uh, clinics, if they exposed us, maybe five to six patients, uh, students per patient so that we get to learn and ask our doubts and get with, uh, them cleared instead of just being somewhere at the back and, you know, um, not I concentrating the whole time. Yeah, exactly. So I think that is something I would want to change. How about you, Elora? What is that one change that you would want if you were in position of power 
and if you could change it. I think I'd like to standardize the content that they teach students, uh, not from a practical, but from a more theoretical perspective, so that there's some kind of uniformity across uh, the medical education that is being provided. And um, yeah, in the same way in having it in different languages so that um, it is accessible to more people and it's easier to understand because it's really important to properly educate all of your doctors instead of making them struggle and having them face difficulties in understanding concepts that are essential to treating patients. So to increase the level of care that we can provide is to ensure that we better educate our doctors in whichever way possible. Very true, very true, wonderful. How about you, Ria? What is your thought on that okay so i feel this is quite a difficult question actually because there's so much running in my head i don't know how to concise it well no, i've i've put a lot of load on you because i know your your shoulders are really strong you guys are anyways doing a lot but i just gave you that extra part that if you were sitting on that place where you could take such an important decision what would that be someday okay. it is possible so, it is a reality someday it can come true of course, of course. <laughs> yeah, so I would, uh, firstly, I would uh, look at this as a way that what are the problems that I'm currently facing that I would like to help people with, students with in the future. So definitely one of them is communication. I think that is the biggest, as a doctor, if you can communicate well, I think that cures 90% of your, you know, patient's problems. So I feel people should, like, we should be taught how to communicate in ways, like separate class for this, honestly, because it requires time. Because I feel the subject in MEBS, like the material, study material can be studied by everyone. Everybody can learn it, but the way to apply it in real life is very, very different. Like, you know the treatment, but how do you convince the patient that you know it? And that comes with a lot of power. Like, you have to be able to communicate well, confidently. And I think that's something we're not taught very well. At least I speak for myself when I say this. So I would like to make a change in that. And secondly, I feel like, um, yeah, as I think Elora mentioned this also, I think that uh, there is a lot of, um, in the sense, a lot of people amongst us who don't, uh, who come from different, uh, you know, places and they might not even know English in our college, like might just be studying there because we have different quotas and different colleges, right? So it's very important to educate the doctors, as she said. So maybe building a common ground or in a way so that, everybody has the same, everybody starts off the same at least. Like if you can study the same material, you should know what you're studying. You need to understand what you're studying. So it's important to normalize or rather, yeah, normalize the, you know, material for everyone and be accessible as well because a lot of people might not be from the same financial background. So resources definitely so that all the doctors in the country can be strong, be equivalent to each other and, you know, also take references from each other if we have to in the future. So that makes us a good, strong, healthy community, which I feel is important in the long run. And uh, yeah, definitely. And also, I think one more thing which we taught about was uh, financial knowledge about certain things. Like when a patient comes to you, you have to look at the financial aspect of his life or her life. We don't know what kind of drugs they can afford. We don't know what kind of uh, treatment they can afford. So we are taught, okay, for this disease, you give this drug. But we're not taught the prices of the drugs. We're not taught anything about how, like, how much of management is required for that patient to 
be comfortable spending and getting better so i wish we were taught that i would maybe spend some part of you know curriculum on that as well because it's very important to know and even the tests that we run we might go we are all pretty well off i guess we might go to a hospital spend 2000 on just a bunch of you know uh, investigations but uh, i feel a normal layman can't do that even in a government hospital might be difficult so these things i think matter when you're clinically practicing like you would want your patient to get better in the best way possible yeah, yeah. so definitely provide that kind of treatment to him and uh, just know your facts better rather than just you know giving him something and then taking it back it's exactly what you're trying to say right that you might suggest something and then you might have to take it back because the cha- the patient cannot afford it for some reason so yeah so right yes what about you preetam so um my change in the medical system would start way back in school itself so um like you said um in like 11th and 12th grade uh, i would want the students to be exposed i mean I, they should know what they're getting themselves into so right so i was thinking maybe after 10th grade like make sections like uh, like a bio instead of bio like a medical or like medical science related and then one maybe pure sciences and one like engineering or whichever how many of branches you need i was thinking ideally three so let's say i'll talk about medical side of it so i'm in the medicine class in the medicine class so every like maybe one period every day one period every alternate day one of the professors or like you know let's say like a senior resident so uh, or like msc student so they come and they talk about a subject like anatomy what is anatomy what do you what, what do you think you see in anatomy or biochemistry what is it so not just based off like you know what you see on tv shows or like uh, what your friends tell you like uh, maybe they'll tell you do you'll just see like this uh, you know like dead body and then you'll you'll faint man is very sick but it's not like that you go there and you try to understand like you try to understand you know the human body you need to know the anatomy of human body the physiology only then you start loving the subject so if they start loving it no matter how much you know how many of challenges they face later they they will definitely you know get past that so that's one and second thing is i uh, this is this is a fine line i do want to reduce the fees of medical education but uh, let's say like a private college they the private college uh, owner will probably say i can't reduce the fees because i'm providing all these facilities so basically the transition should happen to invest more in government colleges like every even like you know a middle class or upper middle class family should be able to should want to go to government or hospital for you know getting treatment there like um, a huge not just not just names del like suppose a south superstar or like a the chief minister he probably go to uh, a multi multi uh, you know multi crore hospital but he will never go to government hospital to get treated so it should start with them they should be like uh, a leader to say that dude i will go to government hospital because i trust the facilities i trust my mel- uh, my health minister that he would do a good job he will set up the best hospital for the public so uh, if that changes i feel everything will change and i mean everything it'll change the outcome they will look yeah yeah so that way doctors won't look like we're just here to like you know make money but we're just we're here to genuinely serve people and in the process obviously we want to you know have a life of our own like enjoy all the you know luxuries in life as well absolutely i think it definitely hurts when you hear people talk about like doctors exploiting their patients because you've put in so much of your life into doing this and it seems yeah. so unfair for people to just accuse you of 
like not doing your job properly or overcharging because there's so much that goes behind making a doctor yeah. it's almost impossible to yeah. that's what i said right in the beginning that it it takes so much of courage for uh, a student for you people when you stepped into this path because you already knew that you've already invested 14 years of your education and you're committing yourself to another 12 years by only by then are you going to feel that you've established yourself as doctors and you start enjoying the fruits of uh, you know your hard work fruits in the sense also of having your own setup or where you're working and experiencing feeling that i'm equipped with all the skills that i need to you know treat my patients so uh, it's it's a huge commitment and i'm sure uh, i think i would also say that uh, something should be done uh, you know universally to upgrade the levels of uh, you know government colleges government hospitals uh, the infrastructure needs to be upgraded in so many ways yes, like i think not only just in the time of pandemic but in general we have seen that it really needs more uh, you know upgrading and uh, what all i think the inputs that you gave i hope uh, you know those things happen and i wish you uh, all of you that someday you will be on that chair and uh, you will have that power in your hand to make such decisions so uh, by till then do remember this and look back into all the problems that you faced and try and bring a change because only when somebody takes that first step forward can we hope for a change in the future right so wishing you all the success all my wishes all my energy for whatever you do uh, you're anyways uh, you know superstars like i said superheroes for me and so proud of all of you and for coming you. sharing your experiences thank you so much thank, thank you, you so much for having us absolutely so it was yeah. my pleasure and uh, keep doing what you're doing uh, pritam go strong with your covid duty so proud of that yeah. and riya sharbani all with all your learning skills uh, next to your pgs and elora hoping that you will be on the ground soon and learning all the skills that you're so dying to uh, learn so wishing all of you a very bright future and happy diwali tomorrow happy diwali happy diwali thank you so much diwali yes have a safe yeah. diwali safe diwali yeah. absolutely so thank you so much bye bye thank you so much you're back on your channel bye. Bye. yeah <laughs>